And we're glad you're here. I, I get to share today a, an amazing story. Um, and and I, what I love about this, per, this story particularly is um, it's not like necessarily something Jesus does, but it's Jesus teaching his friends. So we have some art we can put up. I like setting up art. There, yeah. So you guys remember the like last lecture series that was going on a while ago where a guy was, he, had, he was diagnosed with cancer and he went around the country and world kind of just sharing everything that he wanted to share before he passed away. This is basically Jesus's last lectures in the Gospel of John. This is what I'm going to read today. So after Jesus uh, has kind of done some of the signs, he gathers his friends and he goes, here are some speeches, um, here's some ideas, here's some things that I really want you to hold on to, and, and it will move you through life. So this is called the farewell discourses, is kind of the fancy word for it. Um, there's kind of a couple chapters in the, in the middle of John that kind of capture, middle, late part of John, that kind of capture what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples right before he goes through the Passion and Easter and all that. So that's kind of where I'm at. So this is the first one of that. So this is really important communication directly from Jesus to us, his followers. Cool. It's really neat. I love it. So that's the stage. So this is how it starts. It says this. Don't let this throw you, is what Jesus starts with. Well, I can't really just start there, because what does it mean to be thrown, and what does it mean this? Well, Jesus had kind of just shared with his friends that he was going to die. Like, he just told his friends, hey, you know, I'm going to die, and it's going to be the end of my life, and then I'm going to come back to life. But don't let it throw you. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting way to say that. Uh, maybe maybe a, a good, better way to say it is don't be too thrown by this news. Don't be too thrown by this. I mean, he literally just got done telling Peter that he would deny Jesus three times. He's like, I would give my life for you. And Jesus is like, no, nah, actually, you're going to deny me a couple times before the rooster crows. And then he says, don't let it throw you. I love the gentleness of Jesus. Don't let it be too thrown for you. And Jesus says, you trust God, don't you? Trust me. There's plenty of room for you in my father's home, on my father's estate. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. I love this picture that Jesus paints for his friends. I mean, he's sitting there with them, and he starts to talk about the incredible estate that God has. The incredible estate that God has, that is never-ending place for all of his followers to come and be with him forever and ever. There is plenty of room for you in my father's home. And then I love this. If that weren't so would I have told you that I'm on, a, on my way to get a room ready for you? I love this picture. Like, like you go to a restaurant, and they're like, yeah, I'm going to go check on your table. 
and then, and then they come back to get you. That's kind of the idea is you wait there and then they come back and get you and then you go to the table. This is Jesus, Jesus basically saying, hey, I'm gonna go check on the rooms to make sure they're ready when you get there. And, and the power of this is not just in that the rooms are available, it's that Jesus is gonna come back and get you. The imminent return of Jesus, this idea that Jesus will be with us to be beside us to walk us in is a picture of God's love for all of us. And we forget that. It's not just that God has made this place that exists out in heaven. It's that Jesus has gone and is coming back to take us there in this story. I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. And I love this because Jesus just says, and you already know the road I'm taking. And then I love Thomas. If you were a couple weeks ago with me, I love Thomas. Thomas, he's the best, realist Thomas. He goes, Master, we have no idea where you are going. How do you expect us to know the road? Jesus just like assumes, hey, yeah, I, I'm, you guys know where I'm going. Have you ever been in a conversation where someone's like, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? And you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. This is Thomas. I mean, I love Thomas. I mean, this, he's, like, he's like, I need directions. I need an itinerary. I'm, I'm an organized person. Jesus, this is too abstract for me. I need something more from you. I, I love that about Thomas. I don't understand what you're talking about. And so he just says it. He's so excited to just say, no, I have no idea where you're going. I want to be there. I want to go there. How do you expect us to know that road? And this is Jesus, one of the most powerful verses in all of Scripture. Jesus says, I am the way, also the truth, also the life. Many of you have heard that. Uh, my friend Dale Bruner translates it this way, and I think it has a little more punch the way he does it. Switch the slide to the next one. Nope, not the art, but the writing. There it is. So this is my friend Dale's translation. And I love this. He says, I, I am the way there. And I am the truth that will lead you on the way there. And I am the life that will give you the power to follow the truth along the way there. And this is kind of a weird idea. But when I was in college, I studied classical Buddhism, pure land Buddhism. And it was all about the way and the, the way you live. Leave that up for me. And then, then you get kind of the, the Western influence of truth, the strong, powerful, you have to know the truth and, and science. It's not meditative. It's like this truth. And then everybody's kind of looking for what is the real life? Feels like everybody's just, what is the most meaningful life I can have? And these aren't three abstract ideas. These are all inherent in the person of Jesus. And we kind of like to separate them out and say like, oh, this is, the, this is the way and this is the truth and this is the life and they're all separate. No, no, no. The way Jesus is talking is he is that. J Jesus, the incarnation of God is all three of those. And that is the fulfillment of your life. And everything you're looking for is found only in Jesus. And if we trust that Jesus is Lord, if we really believe that, that Jesus is the Lord, then we trust Jesus when he says, 
No one comes to the Father but by me. And that's not like a popular idea. Like people don't like to say things like this, but this is Jesus talking. The God of the universe who shrunk himself down into a body, the Lord says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. No one. And that's a tricky spot. And you think about a cross, like there's a cross behind me if you can see it. I love the beauty of the cross for so many reasons, but people talk about this all the time, that the width of the cross demonstrates the open arms of Jesus, that all are welcome. But the narrow vertical is only through Jesus. Only through Jesus, he says. In fact, if you read it another way, go to this next slide. This is Dale's attempt. He wrote a commentary on John. He's my favorite. He also teaches in LA and he says great things. It says, we have been seized, commandeered, and called to a truth we cannot relativize. This truth may reach beyond our church boundaries to call people to himself. God may do what God likes. We must do what God commands. And I think that's tricky. God has said through Jesus, through his scripture, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And we like to be uh, tolerant is maybe the word that people like. And Jesus has broad arms for the entire kingdom, for the entire creation, wants to see it restored and redeemed. And yet that only happens through the person of Jesus. And I like this because Dale kind of gives God some outs that, that God, this truth, may reach beyond our church boundaries to call people to himself. Like Dale's basically trying to say, I don't know exactly how God works, but I know that God works through Jesus. And that's the way that it happens. And I think it's important that you talk about this because I don't think we talk about it enough in the church that that's what Jesus says. So how do we become a church that opens our arms how do we become a church that opens our arms to the people of God? Because they're all his people. And they communicate the truth that Jesus was the way that we're redeemed. Calvin says, and I like this, we're Presbyterian, we can use Calvin. For although God's power is not bound to outward means, he has nonetheless bound us to this ordinary manner of teaching. This simple idea. God, we don't know that we can't tell God what he can do. God can do whatever God wants to do. But for us, this is the teaching that he's given us, the Lord Jesus. You can put the R back up next art. So I am the road. I am also the truth. And I am also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. And then I love how Jesus transitions here. He kind of pushes a pretty high kind of understanding of if you want to know who God is, you have to see me. So I love this. If you really knew me, Jesus says, you would know my father as well. <clears throat> and I love this question. If you really knew me, if, if you really knew me. But he's talking to guys that have walked around with him for three years. Everywhere he's gone, they've seen everything he does. If you really knew me, if you really knew me, he says as a question, 
you would know my father as well. From now on, actually, you do know him, is what Jesus says. You've even seen God. You've even seen God because you've seen me. And Philip said, Master, show us the Father, and then we'll be content. I love the heart of this. You ever just demand a sign? You just, oh man, I would believe God if he walked into this room right now and told me, hey, I'm right here, I'm real. I would believe then, that's what I need. Then I'd be content with my life. This is Philip's exactly saying the same thing. Everybody said, I sit in cabins every summer at Young Life Camp and can say, I just need a sign. Like, I need God to, like, say something to me. This is, I mean, this is 2,000 years old. And it's the same thing we all want. We want assurance of what it is. Show us the Father, and then we'll be content. And this is Jesus' response. So gentle. Jesus is so gentle. You've been with me all this time, Philip, and you still don't understand? To see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? <clears throat> Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? I mean, it's not just that, that, that it's like an inward thing. It's like a, it's like a lock. I can't even expre express in a clear way. It's like locked in to something so much. Like my wife will try to have a conversation with me, but I'm watching a show or reading a news article or writing an email, and it's like there's nothing else happening in the world but what's right in front of me. You've been in this world. You're locked into it. And what's amazing about Jesus is he's so locked in with God the Father, and God the Father is so locked in with Jesus that it's like only thing that happens in front of them is what God cares about so locked in to that. He goes on and says, the words that I speak to you aren't mere words. I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word into a divine act. I mean, I mean Jesus is saying, like all, up until this point, all that Jesus talks about is how God lives in heaven. And at this point, he flips it. And all of a sudden, in, in the middle to late part of John's gospel, he's talking to his friends. And he's saying, no, no, no. God lives in me. God, God abides in me. And that's a really different thing than what Jesus has said to this point. And it goes back to kind of the beginning of John's gospel, which if you haven't read the whole thing, you should. But John 1, 18 is so powerful because it's this. It says, no one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse, this one-of-a-kind God expression who is Jesus, who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. That Jesus exists in the heart of who God is and God exists in the heart of who Jesus is. And here in the middle of John's gospel, in the heart of it, Jesus is communicating, hey, you know what? God resides in me, and I reside in him. And not just that he resides, but he crafts each word into a divine act. Jesus turns kind of to his friend again, and I love this. He says, believe me. And there's like a pleading here. It's not just believe me. It's please believe me. 
He is pleading with his friends to believe him. I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see and what you've seen. All of the great signs. I mean, you talk, talk about John's gospel, you got water to wine, you got the Samaritan woman at the well, you've got uh, uh, the, the feeding of 5,000 people out of nothing, you've got uh, the incredible story of the blind man coming to see, and then the argument with his parents, and, and the lawyers, and the judges, and all that, and then you have Lazarus coming back to life. I mean, these are incredible signs that these guys saw for three years walking around with Jesus. And he says, believe in me, please believe in me. Believe what you've seen. And this is what Jesus says, the person who believes will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things. I, I, I don't often do this in church, but I don't believe Jesus when he says that. I mean, I don't agree. I, I, I can't envision a scenario where you would do what Jesus has done on a qualitative level at all. Like you, uh, no offense to anybody in this room. If you think you're pretty great, that's great. You won't accomplish what Jesus accomplished with your life. You won't be as impactful or as world-changing as Jesus was when he walked the earth. You won't reconcile the world to the Father. That's not your job. <laughs> It won't happen. I think Jesus did some pretty amazing things on a qualitative level. But you think about the people he's talking to, the 11 people in the room where Jesus is giving these speeches and what they went out and did. I mean, Jesus walked around with these 11 guys and then his life ends and somebody wrote it down here and we have it today. This is the most translated gospel in the world. And it happened because somebody in that room was like, I have to tell the story of the time I was with Jesus right after we had supper and he started telling us that we would do greater things. We had no idea. We didn't even believe him, but we wrote it down. And now look, if they could look, they would see. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, I talked about this piece, about the ministry of the church. The special mission of the church is to give Jesus to others in such a way that they may believe that he really is risen and Lord, and with that simple trust they can receive with and in Jesus the free forgiveness of sin, the free gift of the Holy Spirit, and the free privilege of passing Jesus and his forgiveness on to others. Now that's the special mission of the church. That's what Jesus imparts to his disciples in the upper room in John 20, and it's what he begins to impart here in John 14. And I love this. And this is the greater thing. That we would tell people that the mission didn't stop with Jesus. It wasn't Jesus did this and then we forget about it. If nobody wrote it down, if nobody told people, if nobody went around saying, hey, you need to know Jesus. In fact, he's the only way to the Father. Then we would go around the world telling people, and that's what people have done for centuries since Jesus' death and resurrection. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things, because I am on the way to the Father and giving you the same work to do what I've been doing. The same work, that same work. Not the actual work of doing it, 
but the job of communicating what God has done in Jesus who walked around. When was the last time you told somebody you trusted, who trusted you, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Because I'll tell you about a bunch of people around you in your circle, in your life, are asking the question, what is this life all about? What am I to do? What is real? What is true? And they trust you. That is the greater thing. I love this, how it ends. I've been giving you the same work to do what I've been doing. You can count on it. From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I'm going to do that. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is in the Son. I mean it. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. Whatever. I mean, this is a call to the miraculous. I mean, this is a little bit crazy. I mean, whatever you ask in my name, I will do. Whatever you ask. I mean, the praying church has lost sight of this, that there were supposed to be miraculous things happening, that people were coming to repentance in who Jesus was. And we've lost that in a lot of places, in America at least. We kind of move the other way, like the miracles are cool stories, but they don't really happen anymore. Well, gosh, the repentance of one sinner is a miracle of miracles. Amazing, amazing miracle. And we need to see the miraculous and believe in that and pray that because that is the heart of God the Father, that people would return to where they belong. But I'll also say on the other side of that, the idea that whatever you pray in God's name has broken the hearts of many people in this world. It's broken the hearts of many people in this world. And I know this from experience as I prayed for my friend Katie, who I named my daughter after. We prayed tirelessly for her health and it never came. And we prayed it in Jesus' name and it never came. It never came. And she passed away and she was beautiful and she was young and it shouldn't have happened. And I think about moms around the world who have lost children or people who want to be mothers that can't have children and they pray on their knees for years and it never happens. And as a church, as followers of Jesus, we need to be careful with the language we use when we say whatever. Because what Jesus is really saying is whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing That's how the Father will be seen. And we need to ask God first that what we're praying for is in alignment with what God is asking us to do. And that's a challenge for us as a church because we tend to seek things that are simple that we want. And that means we're up for a struggle and we're up for a fight. And that is the way, the truth, and the life. And that is an excruciating path and it will ultimately lead to your death. But you signed up for that when you signed up to follow Jesus. And you also signed up for the resurrection. It's the same work. 
the same work that Jesus had. Here's a couple of thoughts. I love Jesus pleading with Philip, please believe me. That could be a whole sermon in its own right. I feel like there are many times in my life where I'm just waiting and distrusting and saying, mm. and I feel like Jesus just comes to me through his spirit and says, please, Dave, believe me. The gentleness of Jesus. What we get in Jesus's words in John's gospel is that, that Jesus is communicating what heaven is, is really wherever Jesus is. That where Jesus resides is heaven, if we're there with him. And for us to get into a place where we go, you know, I want to be with Jesus, I want to reside with Jesus, I need Jesus to be here. That's our calling to go to be with Jesus. And that can manifest itself in many ways, but I don't want you to think that this whole story is about the, the future afterlife. It is that, but also it's also present. That there's an eschatological reality to today about the real life, the meaningful life, the powerful way, and it's important. So how do you submit yourself to the work of the Spirit internally to get into that place where you lock into not only your own personal being, but also the work of the God of the universe who is working a greater kingdom work. What do you need to do to get yourself in line with the kingdom of God in your prayer life, in your personal life, in your walk with the Lord? What could that be? Is it just time? Do you need just more time in your life to think do you need time to study? Do you need time to pray? Do you need time to do things, to do acts of service? Do you need to get politically involved in the changing of policy? I mean, whatever it is that helps you align yourself with the kingdom of God, find that space and do that. Because when the Father resides in us, he crafts divine words and actions. And that work does change the world. And the last thing for me, when I think about this great story, whatever you request, what a, what a bold statement. Does my request align with the person of Jesus and the work of his kingdom? What is his mission and does what I'm asking for align with that? And if it does, if you answer those questions, my guess is your prayer life will be different because you'll request different things. Oh, that we would do that. That we would stop requesting the things that we want and start requesting the things that God wants for us and our world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Follow the way, the truth, and the life. Give him much margin in your life. Give him much space to work. It's the same work that he did that we're now responsible for. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for this space and for this time and the people that are here. This is a challenging sermon. The, your words are challenging here. 
We praise you for being honest with us. We thank you for that. We pray that we would come to understand who you are. We would lock in with you and what you're doing. That we would change our life. That we would abide with you. That our requests would be your requests. That our prayers would be your prayers. That we would follow the way you taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Amen.